0: Hello, ako si Judas Gavilan. Kayo ay nakikinig sa bagong Rappler podcast episode kung saan hihimayin natin ang mga maiinit at mahalagang isyu sa Pilipinas. Ito ang Rappler's News freak, Beyond the Stories. Sa episode na to, pag-uusapan natin ang sitwasyon ng coronavirus pandemic sa Cebu. Ang Cebu City ay naging bagong spot ng coronavirus kasabay ng patuloy na pagtaas ng bilang ng mga kumpirmadong kaso bakit nagkaganito ang sitwasyon sa Cebu? Ano ang mga programa ng local government para matugunan ng problema? Kasama ko ngayon si Ryan Makasero, Raptor reporter covering the Visayas region para liwanagin ang mga pangyayari sa Cebu. So waiting for my first question, can we track muna yung situation sa Cebu City? Sa mga unang buwan ng pandemic sa Pilipinas, I remember hindi ganoon kataas yung numbers ng Cebu City. But then along the way, parang umusbong siya eh. Ano yung nangyari over the past three months? Kailan natin parang nakita na
1: Lumalalang situation. Eh, Mid March, there were actually only, if you remember the terms, <laughs> yeah. um, PUIs and PUMs, mm-hmm. uh, which we are using in the beginning to track suspected cases. There weren't that many, and that was when they were just starting to begin to lock down the ports. The airport was closed late March, and the first cases were actually found beginning of April. We started with four cases in Cebu City and province on April 4. But things, I think, escalated fast. Uh, if you remember, the one sitio that made big news was sitio Zapatera mm-hmm. in um, Barangay Luz. Uh-oh. So I think that was the mark of the beginning of when people were like, okay, I think we're starting to see that this might escalate. Because in a matter of only two weeks, we went from a few dozen cases to over 200 already. Mm-hmm. And by mid-April, the whole sitio was Put on total lockdown okay. meaning that people cannot leave the sitio. so the police was posted on both end entrances and exits of the neighborhood mm-hmm. and food had to be brought to them and they were all tested so there were they actually started with two positives but the the area is high density so yung mga bahay and it's not just one family per house so yung tipong may dalawa tatlong pamilya per house So um, the city was actually pretty quick to conduct the mass testing and that resulted in them finding a lot of asymptomatic people. So from what I remember, the symptomatics were only less than 10%. So 90% of them were people who were without symptoms. And the, the process there is usually once they find two or more cases, then they conduct more testing to contact tracing and expand from there. I think a week later, they they just decided that they were going to stop the testing and consider the entire barangay contaminated already and move the people who tested positive to an isolation center at an elementary school. So it seemed organized. But I think the difficult thing was that journalists are not able to enter these areas, so it's really difficult to get information. You're really reliant on what the agencies are telling you mm-hmm. or if you know somebody on the inside on are they really getting their aid how often does the food rations come how is it being distributed mm-hmm. i think these were questions that we all struggled to find out we had to ask people and then there were some videos on social media that were going around that claiming that barangay residents were escaping or that they weren't being given their food rations but all we had to could rely on to really verify was the word of the officials, because yun nga, we're all, um, journalists who are in lockdown. So that was, I think, a challenge to really try to overcome. But from there, there were more barangays that were placed on lockdown. Right now, the next one was um, Barangay Mambaling, which has over 600 cases right now. So same process. Uh-uh. Testing, they found two or three people who were... Who tested positive, and then it yielded more results. Mm-hmm. So they went around the barangays in the city, and what we f- what we saw was what these barangays had in common is that they were all um, urban poor. And they were all high density. Were working like a lot. Of, a lot of them have jobs where they really have to go into contact with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so you, Mambaling also they had they did the same thing, um, but uh, and moved the positive cases into isolation centers. But until now, there's still a lot of cases. Yeah. That's why in, in the beginning, I, I think that the testing, I, I had high hopes for that because it seemed like the LGUs were very aggressive in contact tracing and mass testing. From what, from what I remember, the DOH the, did not recommend at the time that you should test people without symptoms that the test should be reserved for residents na my symptoms na but here they were disregarding that so umasa ako dun na we can get a clear picture of what's going on and then so in the beginning uh, a lot of people were ano attributing the high numbers to um the high testing which was valid in some ways but i guess in a complex uh, metro City like Cebu, which is the you know, center of tourism, uh, of the economy in the region, and education. So you have people coming in from all parts of the Philippines actually, Visayas, Mindanao, even Luzon, Mm-mm. to come in here and interact. There's an international airport. So there were flights coming in and out from China daily before it was closed in March. So I think when you're in a situation like that where there's high activity, high density, you're really going to get a lot of cases. But I think the question now is that since we already knew that this was the environment of Cebu, that it was prone to, or it's vulnerable to be a place where this contagion can really spread because of the um, activity and the high-density neighborhoods, why have the strategies not been effective Mm -mm. so far when the... LGUs seem to be proactive in the beginning.
0: So Ryan, I wanted to ask, since we know na, na Cebu City is like a center have for Visayas Region, it has a international airport, tapos marami siyang uh, transport hub from other areas mapunta sa Cebu City. So parang, mm-hmm. ano yung respond ng local government dito? Is it, would you say, a little too late yung mga programs nila? Parang hindi nila na foreseen na ganito ka open you City para maging vulnerable
1: mm. sa Oh, oh. Actually nagulat nga ako that it actually went to this point where the national government had to step in because in the beginning, I really thought it was going to be organized. You know the the process of what happens when you start to feel symptoms is clear. They have um uh I think more five or more um cluster clinics spread out in the city. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a resident, for example, and I start to feel a fever or I start coughing too much or exhibiting symptoms that could be suspected of being COVID, there is a cluster clinic in my area that if I'm a resident of, I go there and they can assess if I should be tested. And then the swab tests are already there. They could they they already prepared, um, I think, more than 40,000 test kits by March. And if I test positive, then I have the option to home quarantine if they if I have a room that's away from family or go to the barangay isolation center. And they set up isolation centers, big ones, um, several of them across the city, mga 200 or 300 capacity per area um, for even if you're symptomatic or not. So that would be the next step. And of course, if you are exhibiting symptoms, then that's the next step to... The hospital. Yeah. So I really thought, okay, they had the system in place. What happened? Why did we get to this point? And I think around mid-May, a lot of us, I think, reporters have been following COVID since the beginning of the outbreak. In the beginning, then, there were the I' know the d o h regional office was very transparent and they were they were um consistent in providing information to the public about the situation my mm-hmm. data and it was um clear per city what was the case fatality rate how the trends of of how fast it was rising, so you could really see what was happening and then there were there was one week and I, I think that's when Cebu province went under g c q in May they only had less than 100, somewhere between 50 to 100 cases by then, mid-May. And Cebu Cities was actually, was still rising fast. So uh-huh. I don't know what they were thinking, but there was a week or two, we, um, we have a story on this, on the information being delayed. So they went from updating us every day to to silence. There was no more data releases. And then a week later, they started giving us information. But The information that they gave us, they changed the format of it. So, what was missing was the um, breakdown per city. They gave us new cases, but they removed the breakdown per city. And then, all of a sudden, they started including information on, you know, COVID compared to dengue, for example, Mm. deaths and cases. COVID compared to compared to tuberculosis, and showing that the numbers of these other diseases were higher than COVID infections. And it seemed to fit this kind of narrative that COVID was not that big of a deal. That, you know, these these other these other these diseases actually have more cases in the region. And then they started comparing deaths to population of the central Visayas, which does not make sense because the case fatality rates, the standard of it anywhere is how many deaths per confirmed cases. Mm-mm. So I can't say for sure what their motivation was behind that but why would why all of a sudden would local agencies and governments go from being very transparent to may, being less transparent that i still don't understand yeah. but it was during that period when you know the lgus were pushing for general community quarantine mm-hmm. i i don't know if we were just getting fatigued the businessmen wanted to open up already the cebu province because they are administered independently really made their case that they should be under general community quarantine. They wanted to open up industries already, tourism, um, businesses. Cebu City was under general community quarantine for two weeks despite the rising cases. In early June, it was, the, it was in those periods where we learned about the situation at the hospitals Mm-mm. because that the hospitals were being filled up to max, maximum capacity, that patients who had other illnesses who were showing up at the big hospitals in Cebu City were being turned away because there was no more room. Mm. And in May, what we were being told was that we were way below the um, the danger zone of the hospital utilization rate. So, we were told that the um, COVID words were only below forty percent in May. All of a sudden, they're at one hundred percent, and we did not know this until the hospitals and doctors were reporting this themselves. This did not come from the local agencies or the LGUs, and when they were asked about, don't say umamin na puno na, oh. so parang nagulat din kami. How did how did it get to this point? And I think that's why. Um, Transparency is very important because the people should have an idea if the, the hospitals or the healthcare systems sa mga lugar nila na may capacity to handle them, diba ba? So, I think that was the point where we really felt that, oh no. Uh, if the hospitals are being being filled and the the, the cases continue to rise, because after the um, DOH resumed its data releases, the new cases were really uh, in Cebu City at least were were by the hundreds per day. Mm-mm. The six there so there were um, six days when Cebu was on general community quarantine that the numbers doubled, and and that was what prompted the national government to really take it seriously. And after the UP study came out early June showing that the reprodu- reproduction rate of the virus in Cebu was at two. Mm-hmm. So and met- compared to Manila, that um, Metro Manila's reproduction rate is at 0.96 uh, right now, and that's where ideally it should be for the IETF if you want to be under general community quarantine. Mm-hmm. But despite this, th- despite the data showing that things were getting bad, the Mayor Labella still uh, tried to appeal the national government's decision to, to place the Cebu City under ECQ. Mm-hmm. So that, that move kind of confused me. The data is clear that the, city, the, the situation is getting worse and your move is to ease restrictions that might have caused this acceleration of the virus in the first place. So that, I, I'm still trying to understand.
0: And I seem to recall that just yesterday, he plays against Cebu City under lockdown, right?
1: Yesterday, the, actually yesterday was when the officials from the national government arrived. So oh. President Duterte appointed uh, Secretary uh, Roy to the of the DENR to oversee the COVID response here in Cebu City. And it was his um, first day going around. So, parang Tuesday night at around, we got word that the quarantine passes were going to be canceled. Mm -hmm. And we initially thought that that was the LGU's decision. So, of course, we we have our messenger group chat. So, all Mm -hmm. of the local media is on it. So, we all were asking, uh, is it true? Because um, there were barangay captains posting about it on Facebook that Mm -hmm. the police would no longer honor the ECQ passes. Mm -hmm. And then, when we asked them, they were actually, they didn't have any word or they, they didn't have any information for us. And it turns out we so we asked the police. The police was were had a meeting with Secretary Simatu and other national officials who were here because Secretary Duque was also here, Secretary Galvez, Anyo, and they were all looking at the Cebu City situation. Mm. And Central Visayas police chief, pr PRO seven chief, Albert Ferro Confirmed that the quarantine passes were going to be canceled effective immediately. Mm-hmm. So there was there was no time to prepare or understand what this means because the ECQ passes are people's only way to go out. And then so we asked, you know, what time is it effective? 10 PM. So we had one hour notice. And they explained later that this was based on the national government's observation um, that 250,000 pass holders were all coming out at the same time. And to them, people were uh, congregating in public spaces. And this is what they saw as one of the bigger problems of why the virus is still spreading. So they decided to cancel it immediately. And while they are figuring out how to reconfigure, the um, ECq system, so what they discussed was does does this mean that you know depend are they going to code the ECq passes that only a certain group of people can go out on a certain day, limit the time so that not all two hundred thousand people are out at the same time That was their thinking behind it, but they completely went over the lGU so it was uh, the ECq passes were issued by the Cebu city government but cancelled by the um, police at the instruction of the DILG. Oh, so nice. I think that kind of speaks to I think their confidence in how the city is managing the contagion here in Cebu City.
0: And what is the local sentiments regarding the cancellation of quarantine passes?
1: I think nagulat the people because there was no time. There was no warning. It just happened. And um, as soon as the story broke, there were so many questions. What about medicines? What about you know essential workers? So th- those things had to be clarified quick, but people were really panicking and looking for answers, which the local government didn't have until... Uh, even until now, we, uh, we didn't... We have not yet received um, instructions on how... Uh, the coming days will be different. Um, are they honoring the original EO um, that was signed by Mayor LaBelle that, that um, governs um, this ECQ? Or um, are we all just going to, you know, um, we have to stay home until they make an announcement? What about people who are running out of food? So there are a lot of um, unanswered questions that still need to be answered.
0: And Brian, Sigur, I wanted to ask, when you uh, heard that the national government is stepping in, Kasi parang uh, imagine mo people are, imagine mo the national government going to Cebu and uh, nag-assign pa sila ng isang officer looking over what's happening. Ano yung tingin, ano yun na-feel mo when you heard that this development's going to happen?
1: When I heard that the national government was going to step in, I had mixed feelings about it because I think three months of the way that the LGUs here have been running it, the the data doesn't show the numbers decreasing um there are no parang there are no hopeful signs that you know that that gcq will be coming anytime soon mm-hmm. and we're not hearing any change in strategy from them and they they've become very reactive and responding to issues as they happen instead of explaining them before they happen like the hospital issue for example now why why did it have why did it come after the fact Uh-oh. that the stories were coming out about the hospitals being filled. Na don na umaamen yung mga agencies and LGUs na the situation at the hospitals are getting bad. And so, parang there's a sense of our LGUs in denial. They like to kind of paint a a, a little rosier picture of what's happening and of what's ha- that it's not that bad. But the national government is providing information that says actually it's very bad. So, parang con- conflicting. Um, views of Cebu at the local at the LGU level and the national level at the residents themselves. There's a lot. I think a lot of the residents understand that the situation is bad, and I think I've I've seen a lot more people asking for transparency. And there was a doctors group who who wrote a letter to the agencies and uh, the health agencies and LGUs not to downplay the virus, especially after. The, you know, they, they were pushing for GCQ. The governor, uh, Gwen Garcias Prescon, every day she makes it a point to announce the comparisons of dengue and um, tuberculosis compared to COVID and announce the comparison of how many infections against the population mm-hmm. to kind of impress upon the people that maybe were overreacting. And so I think the govern the national government stepping in is kind of a statement that even though they wouldn't want to admit it because the you know the president said in his speech that he's not blaming anyone but he thinks that they need to have someone here to investigate for themselves to come up with their own conclusions of what's actually happening because you know maybe the information that they've received from the national government maybe they were surprised too so all of a sudden they decide to send someone to oversee the implementation of the covid response here and for the past 3 months that person has been the off- from the office of the presidential assistant for the visayas so actually already has a deputy here his name is secretary mike dino and he kind of is involved heavily in covid response at cebu city cebu province actually all of the provinces in the visayas he has a role in overseeing so, kind of putting Secretary Samatu there, it kind of says something, even if the national government says that walang militia sa, sa assignment niya And Mike Dino claims that he requested someone from the national government oh. to come and help. But, you know, looking at it without, you know, taking their statements at face value, you can kind of see that there's, it doesn't make That narrative kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah. I think that. There needed to be someone to come in and look from the outside about what's going on if there is no plans to change the strategy here on the local level. But at the same time, I feel like that should have been uh, maybe a doctor or some an epidemiologist uh-huh. that could come up with a more scientific response to it. Because as we saw what happened on the first day, the first plan of action was to revoke the ECQ passes and then we see we're seeing more police checkpoints being set up. Mm. The military's presence has been increasing around the cities. Of course, Zimatu's background is he's a, he was an army general. Mm-mm. So of course the response will be a, a militarized response. Mm. Now is the question is is that the right response? Will a military response be effective in containing this virus? I don't know.
0: And I wanted to ask, Sigrido, before I get to the question, na uh, ano yung worst case scenario na iyisit mo? I wanted to ask ano pa overall situation sa Visayas region, kamo sensitive pa sa mga karatig na probinsya, bayan ng Cebu.
1: So in Cebu Province, we've seen that the numbers have risen from in a month from uh, about hundred to now we're reaching over seven hundred. And Cebu Province, was pride like it it was priding itself that it kept its numbers low. But um, in the past four week, four weeks on average, um, they were seeing about uh, 100 or more cases a week, which was much faster than March and April. And so, parang nabasa yung idea na na parang the the province is safe because it's less people. Yes, there's less people, but the question is, can the capacity of the hospitals handle the number of cases? It's not proportional to how many people are infected against the total population. Yeah. Bohol, for example, was able to keep its numbers to less than 10 um, from March. Now, after the Balik Provincia and Hatid Provincia programs, they're, I think, about 20 now. And just earlier on um, Wednesday, the Department of Health named um, five emerging hotspots of the coronavirus due to the rate of acceleration of in- infections. Uh-oh. And all of them were in the Visayas um, earlier, so they included Cebu City, Cebu Province, um, Ormok Ormoc in Leyte, and Tacloban City, Leyte Province, and Samar. So in these provinces, they were seeing you know the numbers accelerate very fast. And the important thing to note about Leyte and the eastern Visayas is that Leyte was the pilot province for the Balik Provincia program. And um, that was the program of Bongo where uh, he where he was uh, the program provides not only transportation back to your home province but uh, cash allowance and livelihood assistance to okay. Parang restart your life in the province and There were The process is you're supposed to be tested in the city before you leave, but they were testing positive upon reaching their province. Mm. So I don't know if you remember, but this is why Richard Gomez, the mayor of Armok City, uh, criticized this program because despite the protocols for them to test the returning residents before sending them back to their provinces, they were still testing positive back there. And then after that, we had the overseas Filipino workers who are... Who are quarantined in Metro Manila for at least two weeks and they're supposed to be tested. Mm-mm. If that's PCR test or if that is the rapid antibody test, um, it's not consistent of which test they took. Some took, some have taken the antibody test, some have taken the PCR test, and some are able to actually, um, there have been reported cases of um, OFWs reaching the province without documentation if they had even taken their test. So a lot of the cases building up, in the Eastern Visayas, are from returning residents. Uh, I talked to um, Mayor Gomez earlier about the number of cases in his city because he only had his first case in late May. Mm-mm. So while Cebu and Manila were already, you know, um, seeing numbers in the thousands by then, Ormoc had none. And in the matter of two or three weeks, it's already at 55 as of Wednesday. And that is very fast considering it was only three weeks. But because of he was proactive, I think, in coming up with a plan quickly after the first returning resident showed up positive, that he, he already came up with a plan that he, they were going to have to quarantine for two weeks and that they would be fed properly, three meals a day in um, you know, a government housing project. So it's very modest accommodations, but it's a clean accommodation. And people are being fed. So there have not been many complaints from Ormok. And by the end of the 14 days, mm-hmm. they will know if they are positive or not. And if they are, are negative, then they can already go home. So it was very systematic. But not all LGUs, I think will be able to contain the returning residents like this. So it really depends on the leadership of the LGU. And we're talking about hundreds of cities and municipalities who have to deal with OFWs and returning residents. I think from the last estimate, there have been over 24,000 OFWs alone who have returned, not counting the locally stranded individuals. So that's thousands who have come from the big cities where infections are high, spread out to the provinces. So from less than 100 cases in April now the eastern visayas has over 400 as of today so parang medyo exponential yung ano yung, yung spread so that's worrying and the hospital the capacity of the hospitals in the eastern visayas are very is not that much it doesn't take 1000 patients to overwhelm the health system in the eastern visayas not even 100 So I think that's going to be really a place to watch because if they get dozens of critical cases, they're going to have big problems on where they're going to take care of those patients. The cities with the most number of beds are Ormoc City and Tacloban City in the Eastern Visayas and in the whole region, for the entire region. And the population of the Eastern Visayas is roughly 4 million, so it's going to be difficult you know, situation if if they're not able to contain all of the returning residents from spreading the virus to other people.
0: I wanted to ask, with all that situation that you've uh, mentioned, the capacity of LGU, what do you think will be the worst case scenario in the coming weeks or months?
1: For the whole region, I think because when you're talking about an outbreak, you really have to be ahead of, think ahead. You really have to think of you know increasing your hospital capacity before mm-hmm. you even reach the level of being full. Mm-hmm. So we had three months to look for ways to expand the uh, here in Cebu City. I'm talking about to expand the capacities of the hospitals before it got this you know before it it got to one hundred percent in these hospitals. Mm-hmm. And now they're they're scrambling to find you know workers. I believe the the DOH said the DOH Central Visayas said. Yesterday, that they are looking to bring in health workers from other regions, including Metro Manila. Oh. So, why is this only, you know, why are they this aggressive now when we had, you know, March when we didn't have that many cases, or April when there were not that many cases? The cases were only starting to rise. Mm-mm. So, were we not thinking about, you know, expanding our critical care capacity or? Our hospital capacity then, because we thought the barang, you know, we wouldn't get that many symptomatics because they kept repeating then that the symptomatic patients were only below 10% and 90% were asymptomatic. So, by repeating this, what is the message you're trying to send? That, you know, even if you get COVID, you're likely not to get symptoms, you're likely not to end up in a hospital. But even if the symptomatics are below 10%, how much, you know, how many hospital beds do we have? Mm -hmm. So, if we have if we have 5 or 10000 cases at the same time which a lot other countries have way more than that you know italy and the us in some cities you know what will happen when we have that many cases and you know there's i right now we're seeing um critical cases only in the thousands but people are already being turned away so what more if this increases mm-hmm. so really it makes me nervous to be honest it, it it's frustrating because you know, it, it's so hard to get in contact with them even. Um, we have to call three or four times. Um, we have to uh, really annoy and irritate our local officials to even talk to us. Yeah. So we're not getting the information voluntarily. So now we're already at the point where we're having to really be be very aggressive and confrontational to get the information that we need. And so when you're not having a clear picture of what the situation is like because you're also on lockdown yourself, it gets really frustrating. So, and I think that's what gets me the most that, you know, I like to see where are we going to be in a month? Can we get the numbers down by 10%? Can we increase the recovery rate and reduce the infection rate ne- next month? Na parang, we're, without the data, we cannot see that. And so, Will this end in December? Will it drag on until January? <laughs> Are we ever going to get out of here? I don't know.
0: I think what I'm getting from you is also the priority ng local government of Cebu City yung transparent ba? Yes. What else do you think that you should prioritize at least in the coming
1: week? In the coming weeks, I think they need to be very quick in increasing the capacity of the hospitals. I mean, parang they were complacent in my opinion. On and they're probably going to be angry with me for saying this, but I think it it was very complacent to not anticipate that the numbers could accelerate. That you instead of working on being over prepared, they would constantly repeat things like the, the symptomatics are only below ten or five percent, the deaths are only below one percent. Maybe they were working behind the scenes to you know keep on on looking for. More hospital beds, maybe they were you know improve they were doing things to improve the Baragay health centers, and they were, but your words show what your priorities are, so by repeating these lines, na parang the people were getting this impression that you were saying that this the this virus is not as bad as we we thought it was going to be. And then all of a sudden we're hearing that our hospitals are filling up, and then we're hearing that the national government is stepping in. So, parang very conflicting and very. Um, and um, now are our leaders at the local level even in charge of us anymore? Now is it the national government? What what is the role of you know of the mayor of? The provincial government of the presidential assistant. Now, what they were doing before was they were they were really the ones in charge. But now, na parang seeing all of the the national government officials walk and call the shots, parang it's another it's another uncertainty that we have to grapple with.
0: So on that note, all eyes will surely be on Cebu and the Visayas region. We hope that the situation gets <laughs> better, right? and and the government response, yes. especially nag. Like, Pumasok na yung national government will improve too. So, thank you, Ryan, for joining me today and for discussing the situation in your area. I hope things will get better for you. in transparency, um-okay na.
1: Yes, thank you, Jodes. And
0: thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you would like to be updated on this and other issues, huwag kalimutan na follow ang Rappler and Newsbreak sa Facebook, pati sa Twitter. If you want to get access to exclusive content and events, join Rappler+. Plus. Plus is a community where we discuss and get deeper insights to the issues we face today you can sign up by visiting raptor.com slash plus. Kung meron ka namang gusto na topic na you think we should discuss in our podcast, email us at investigative at raptor.com. Again, I am Jadeska Villan and this is Newsbreak Beyond the Stories.